0: Doing a series here at Thrive that we're very, very excited about. It's called Who's Your Daddy? Could you turn to your neighbor and with uh, you know, a very kind of macho manly look on your face, can you go, Who's your daddy? Can you do that right now? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Well, the reason why we call the series Who's Your Daddy is because this series is all about getting to know your heavenly father. I wanna say my heavenly father. And over the past several weeks, we've been learning that your Heavenly Father is an encourager. He loves to lift you up, not put you down. Your Heavenly Father is a healer. Nothing is impossible for him. Your Heavenly Father tests us from time to time, not because he wants to be cruel, but he wants to bring the the, the best in us. Last week, we had Pastor Tim, uh, who preached a powerful message. uh, And in fact, Pastor Tim's here this morning. Let's give Pastor Tim a big hand this morning. Uh, And uh, he preached a powerful message about how your Heavenly Father is your comforter. And, uh, and so we've been learning all these different aspects of who our Heavenly Father is. And uh, this morning, we are very, very blessed to have a very special guest in our midst. Uh, he is so important to the history of Thrive Church. And the reason is this we would not be here in this venue today if it weren't for Him. Uh, many, many years ago, when we first started to meet in this, uh, in this building, we were a Saturday night church. And I was looking for Saturday night venues where we would be able to have our meetings. A lot of high schoolers and you know, university students at that time. We still have a number of them here, but uh, it, was, it was one of those things where we were looking for a venue, and Pastor Bon and World Harvest Church were so hospitable, so generous and kind in opening up this building for us so that we could call this place our Saturday night home. And as God would have it, eventually as, as things unfolded, we ended up calling this place our home on a permanent basis, but we would not be here without the t- the, the generosity, the kindness, the hospitality of Pastor Bon. Uh, and he's here to share a very powerful message this morning about who you're Heavenly Father is. Uh, Not only is uh, Pastor Bon uh, a a powerful preacher of God's Word, uh, he's also uh, one of the buffest guys I know. He works out, and you can tell. Uh, And uh, uh, you can ask him how much he bench presses later on, but uh, he uh, is an amazing, amazing man, and we are so incredibly blessed to have him here. We wouldn't be here without him, so would you give him a very, very warm, thrive welcome to the one and only Pastor Bon Mercy. I can give him a big hand this morning.
1: Good morning, Thrive Church! How are you doing? You know what? Uh, I had an awesome week as well. I was able to drive a Ferrari, a Porsche, a Lamborghini, an Audi R8 V10, but you know what? Nothing compares to having the birth of a newborn child. Amen? That's God's blessing. And whenever I'm here in this church, my heart is always jumping out. These three people, the Triple J team, they just left, but... I don't know if they're believers or not, but they were just amazed at the hospitality and love that you guys show. And that's the kind of reception I always get. And I'm sure Pastor Tim had that last week as well. So I'm blessed to be here today. Amen. So this month, I believe, again, Pastor uh, JB said that we're learning about the father and his character and the roles that he plays in the lives of his children. So that's awesome. Do you know that our Heavenly Father is unlike any earthly father because He is the perfect Father. Amen? Amen. Now, fathers, whether it is our Heavenly Father or earthly fathers, uh, play many important roles in the lives of our children. And the overall theme of our message this morning is about God the Father's love, care, protection, help over His children. And again, we shall learn about this in our study of Psalm chapter. 121 now psalm 121 is also known as a pilgrim psalm there are 15 pilgrim psalms in total four of them were written by david one was written by king solomon and the authors of the 10 remaining psalms are unknown now a pilgrim psalm is called a pilgrim psalm because they were sang by pilgrims and a pilgrim by definition is a person who travels or journeys to a sacred place for as an act of religious devotion. So these pilgrim songs were sung by the people as they traveled to the holy city of Jerusalem for one of the three major festivals. So there are three major festivals. There's seven total, but there's three major ones. And this uh, required most of the Jews, or all the Jews, to actually go to the city of Jerusalem. The first feast was the Passover, which was observed in the spring, the second one is uh, Pentecost, which is observed in the early summer. And the third feast is the Feast of Tabernacles, which was observed in autumn. So Jews living outside Jerusalem will travel to Jerusalem, and they would sing these Pilgrim Psalms as they traveled uh, for two reasons. Number one, to help them remember what God had done for them as a nation, that's always important, and number two, also to help them focus on why it is they were traveling to Jerusalem. Now, the Pilgrim Psalms are also known as the Psalms of Ascents, and the word ascent comes from the word ascend, which means to climb up. So Bible scholars believe that these Pilgrim Psalms were not only sung by the pilgrims, but they believe that they were also sung by the priest as they climbed up, right, ascended the steps leading to the temple of Jerusalem. So this is the historical context behind the pilgrim psalms that we can all appreciate. But some of you might be saying or asking, okay, I'm not a pilgrim. I don't travel to Jerusalem three times a year, and I haven't actually been to Israel. How can I apply this in my own life? Well, one way you can do this is when you come to church on Sunday mornings. I guess when you travel to church on Sunday mornings, I guess you can call yourselves pilgrims because you are traveling to a sacred place, church, where you meet together with fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord and you give worship to the living God. Amen? Now, as pilgrims, what do you do on your way to church? Now, some of you walk, some of you take the bus, some of you take the train, some of you drive. What do you do on your way to church? Do you sleep? Do you eat breakfast? Do you fight with your companions? Do you, um, do you sing worldly songs? Do you sing Christian songs? Do you pray? The truth of the matter is, even before we arrive at church, we must have already sang the pilgrim psalms in our hearts so that we would be 100% focused by the time we get to church. If you agree with me, say amen. 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 So try to do that. It's, it's actually going to help. Right? Because the purpose of church primarily is to worship God, fellowship, and other stuff. They only come in second or third. A bigger application of the Pilgrim Psalms is in our spiritual lives in general. Too many believers today act as if earth is their permanent home, like this is life. Life, there's no life beyond this life on earth. So too many be- believers behave like, um, they, like, again, that life on earth will never end. They allow themselves to conform to the behaviors and the customs of this world, right? Instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to transform their lives, which begins by the renewing of their minds through the Word of God. Amen? Amen. So, some believers behave like earth is their permanent home. Now, we have to remember that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven so that we may inherit heaven, not earth. Why heaven? Because our heavenly father is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our treasures are in heaven. Our eternal home is heaven. Amen. So the reality is that life on this earth is only temporary. We're only guests. We're only visitors. We're only travelers. We're only pilgrims in this world. Now the apostle Peter, on the next slide, says this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. I'd like you to read this with me, please. We are foreigners and aliens here. So great reminder, we are just foreigners or travelers in this world. Can everybody repeat after me? We are just passing through. All right, so we all have spiritual passports. Do you know that? And if you look at the cover of our spiritual passport, it says, Citizen of Heaven. And if you open the pages of that passport, you will find a visa stamp that allows us to stay here on earth. How long? Well, how long each person stays on this earth is determined by God, our Father. He determines that. So earth is not a real home. Earth and the things of the world will pass away. So we should not be enamored. We should not be captivated or be obsessed with the ways and the things of the world. So while we go through this journey in life on earth, our sight should always be set towards our final destination, which is heaven. And you know what? We should not waste our lives on this earth because, you know, 70, 80, 90 years, that's actually not a long life. That's a short life compared to the life in eternity. So let's not waste our lives. How do we do that? Well, number one, I guess number one, the best way to do it is by doing what God has asked us to do. And the only way we can find out what God wants us to do or expects us to do is by reading his word, by reading our Bibles every day. Amen? How many of you read your Bibles every day? Raise your hands. Okay. Okay. You need to read your Bibles every day because this is God's word. God speaks to us through his word. So, the next slide says, like the Jewish pilgrims. Do I have that? Like the Jewish pilgrims in Psalm 121, we are also pilgrims in this world, traveling in this journey called life, and our final destination is in heaven so that pretty much summarizes what I just said for the last five minutes now Psalm 121 may also have been used as an antiphonal psalm antiphonal means sang or recited in alternation alternation meaning one person will recite verses 1 and 2 and then another person or other people from the same group would recite or sing the succeeding verses so let's move on as I said earlier The overall theme of Psalm 121 is God the Father's love, care, help, and protection for all of his children. Safety was a great concern for the pilgrims. Why? Because they had to travel long distances to get to Jerusalem. Pilgrims needed protection from robbers, from thieves, from wild animals, from the heat of the sun, and even from the cold evenings. So the word keeps or watches over is actually used six times here in Psalm 121. So I have chosen to name the title of our message this morning, The Lord, Our Watchman. So a watchman by definition is a person who keeps guard over property in order to protect it from vandals, from thieves, and danger. How many of you are God's property? Raise your hands. There you go. So the Lord is watching over you. You know, I have four children, and so Pastor JB has some catching up to do. But I have four children, and when they were younger, you know, even today, I find myself watching over them, right? Just to make sure that they are doing okay, and I step in whenever they need dad's help. Because that's just the heart of a loving, protecting father. In the same manner, because we belong to God, he's constantly watching over each and every one of us, And we shall see this in Psalm 121. So let's read Psalm 121 together. And let's do it in an antiphonal manner. So we will read it in alternation. So I'll start with verse 1 and you continue verse 2 and we'll, we'll alternate from there on. Okay, Psalm 121 verses 1 to 8. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, one by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. So this psalm, very much applies to all of us. Who are we? We are the pilgrims of today. We are pilgrims in this life. And there are four things that I'd like to point out, which should give us the assurance and encouragement that we need as we journey in this life. Our first point for today, Jehovah Bara is our help. Verses 1 and 2 says, I lift my eyes to the hills, where thus my help come from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth does this does this sound familiar to you uh, praise 106.5 this is actually a song from casting crowns very popular song right and the title of this song is praise you in the storm anyway these verses remind me that one of god's many names is jehovah bara the lord my creator god who created the heavens and the earth is also our creator and he, at the same time, he is also our heavenly father. And in verse 2, it says, Our help comes from him. We need help in this world and in this life. Why? Because life? Because this world is actually a groaning creation. You see, when God finished his work of creation, it was a very good creation. How do we know this? Because Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 says, God saw all that he had made, and it was. Very good. So, but because sin entered into this world through a man called Adam, creation today is a groaning creation. When do we groan? Can you guys groan for me? Can you guys groan? Oh, there you go. We groan when we have a toothache, a stomachache, or broken bone, or when Pastor Bond asks you to groan, right? We groan when a loved one dies, right? To groan means to utter a deep, mournful sound because of pain or grief. All of creation is groaning because sin uh, caused all of creation to fall from its perfect state, the state in which God created it to be in. In Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 22, the Apostle Paul describes the current condition of creation. Verse 19, The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of god we know that the whole creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to the present time so paul uses the words frustration bondage decay and pain these are what we experience in our bodies in our lives this is what we see happening in the world today, right? Our physical bodies are broken. Our bodies are aging every day. The older we get, the more aches and pains we feel. How many of you can relate to me? Raise your hands. Okay, so those of you who are not raising your hands, you haven't lived long enough, that's okay. You'll get there. Now, because we live in a fallen world, people sin and do bad things all the time, right? There's so much war, violence, corruption, there's so much lawlessness and wickedness. We read about it in the newspapers every day. And then we want, when we watch the news, it is obvious that the economy is broken, the governments are broken, the earth is broken, and the earth is broken. We have famines, we have droughts, we have floods, tornadoes, tsunamis, hurricanes, and other natural disasters that are increasing in frequency and intensity. So everything is broken, Everything is dying. Can everybody say, but? But we don't need to be pessimistic or hopeless because we have hope for future glory. How many of you believe that? Amen? Amen. So one day, all of creation will be liberated and transformed. We can look forward to the new heavens and the new earth that God promised in Revelation chapter 21. We can look forward to having resurrected and glorified bodies. Just like the body that Jesus Christ has today. We can look forward to heaven where there's no more sin, no more pain, no sickness, no more sorrow, no more death. How many of you are looking forward to heaven? Amen? Amen. So, when the pilgrims looked up and caught sight of Jerusalem, because Jerusalem was situated up on the mountains, it's actually 2,500 feet above sea level. When they looked up, they knew that God was there in his temple. When we look up to the heavens, this should remind us that there is a God who created everything. How can anyone look at creation and say there is no God? When I look up to the heavens, uh, when I see the sun, the moon, and the sky, sky, and the stars, it reminds me of God the Creator. It reminds me of Psalm chapter 9, verse 1, a favorite verse of mine, which says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, the skies proclaim the works of His hands. Now Paul wrote this in Romans 1:20. For since the creation of the worlds, of world God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without, without what? Excuse Excuse. the facts about God, His existence, His divinity, His power, His glory are all are not hidden in creation, but rather they are are clearly seen in creation man really has no excuse to say there is no god and yet some people still choose to say there is no god anyway creation gives witness and testimony that there is a supreme intelligent being who created the heaven and the earth and he is the same person who created us his children he happens to be our god and we need to know that regardless of what is happening down here that our help and our protection comes from our Heavenly Father. Can everybody repeat after me? I have an awesome Heavenly Father. If you believe that, say Amen. Amen. Quickly now, point two. God helps us in our walk. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So how many of you sprained your ankle before? Raise your hands. That's it? Hmm. I sprained my ankles, my ankles, both ankles, many times playing basketball. I grew up in the Philippines, and basketball is the number one sport there. Back home, we don't play with rubber shoes because we play in asphalt and concrete, and wearing rubber shoes will just destroy your shoes in two months, so we've, we wear slippers. And that uh, gives us the tendency of easily spraining our ankles. But even today, at an older age, I sprain my ankles, sometimes uh, going on hikes or uh, even on the golf course because sometimes the gorse is uneven. So now remember, there were no paved roads back then for the pilgrims. They had to make those long trips to Jerusalem. It would have been so easy for them to sprain their ankles. And spraining their ankle obviously would not have been good for the injured person, but it would have also resulted in the pilgrimage slowing down because now one or two people also would help to help the injured person. Now, from a spiritual perspective, do you know that the Lord is interested or concerned about our spiritual walk? Do you know that? Okay, Deuteronomy 5, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 33. Can we read this together, please? God... How many of you are Star Trek fans? Raise your hands. Okay, this is the newer newer generation. But who knows Mr. Spock? The guy with a very long... There you go. And uh, his favorite, one of his favorite uh, uh, phrases is live long and prosper. So, uh, I hate to break it to you, but he was not the original author of live long and prosper. God the Father is. He said, live long and prosper. And... God wants us to follow him, his commands in order for us to live long and prosperous lives. Some people think that God sets all these rules, these restrictions, these laws, these commandments so that we won't be able to enjoy life. On the contrary, God wants us to live righteous and godly lives so that we may live long and enjoyable lives. Amen? Amen. On the next slide, it says God wants to help us. In our spiritual walk. So, yeah. As God's children, we should have a different view about God's boundaries. They're not meant to take the joy out of our lives, right? They are divine fences that God has put up. I think I have a slide for that. So, God's laws and commandments are divine fences that God has put up in order to uh, help us avoid the trouble and the consequences of reckless living what do i mean by that well let's look at the list here drunkenness dishonesty greed stealing cheating sexual immorality being unequally yoked with unbelievers adultery lying now these are just some things that the bible tells us not to do and number one why because they're sinful and they don't give glory to god and number two there's consequences harmful consequences from all these things that God tells us not to do. For example, uh, if we in, engage in drunkenness or dr- drugs or alcoholism or, or drugs or whatever, uh, smoking, we know that that destroys our bodies, right? So there are harmful consequences. Cancer, and obviously your life will be shortened. Uh, adultery, uh, sexual immorality, you know, that could lead to a divorce. And so that could break up. Uh, relationship between husband and wife and that good separate families right so God always knows best he gives us these rules these boundaries in order for us for us to be protected in order for us to be able to enjoy life the way he meant us to enjoy it can everybody repeat after me obeying God's laws is for my own good if you believe that say amen Okay, so remember the next time you're tempted to break through God's boundaries, you're tempted to go over the fence. I remember when I was in high school, we would go over the fence so that we could buy alcohol and then we could come back in. So again, next time you're tempted to do that, next time you're tempted to give up uh, on your faith or your spiritual journey, that remember that God the Father who is in heaven is watching over you. Not to spank you, but to help you, right? So a lot of times people think that God is, this, God is a disciplinarian, right? And, but he's not there to immediately spank you, whack you for making a mistake or, making a, or, or falling into sin, right? He's there to help you get up and uh, get back on the right path. But again, God, our Father, is watching us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Remember, he does not slumber. He doesn't doze off, right? He never sleeps. God wants to help us, but the thing is we need, we need to want God to help and allow us. We need to want Him to lead us in His righteousness. Now, of course, if you need help, you can talk to your pastors or a trusted Christian friend. But the very first thing that you must do is lift your eyes to the Lord, God the Father, because ultimately our help comes from the Lord. Amen? Point number three. God helps us with life's changes. Verses 5 and 6 The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. So, the psalmist David mentions the sun and the moon. And in doing so, he is saying several things. To begin with, the desert sun in the Middle East can be very hot, it can go up as high as 60 degrees Celsius. I grew up in the Philippines, where the temperatures can go up to 35 to 40 degrees Celsius, and it's very humid. But you know, I can I can live that, I can survive that. But 60 degree temperatures—just imagine the pilgrims um, in Luke chapter two. There's a reference to Jesus Christ when he was still a young boy, and he and his family had to do a pilgrim, a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And again, it took them five to six days. Again. Galilee to Jerusalem, that's a distance of 150 kilometers. That's the distance from Vancouver all the way to Whistler. So just imagine pilgrims traveling for four to six days uh, in order to get to Jerusalem. So they'd had to do that under the scorching heat of the sun. Back then, obviously, they had no cars, no tourist buses that were air-conditioned, right? The roads were not paved. Uh, There were no shopping malls or buildings or hotels or motels that they could run into for shade or rest or comfort. There were no Tim Hortons or Starbucks that they could run into to buy uh, cold refreshments. So walking under the hot sun could cause dizziness, headaches, fainting, heat strokes, and even death. Right? We read about this in the news last week where there were more than 50 people who died in Quebec because of the heat wave. So, exposure to the sun was harmful to the pilgrims. And at nighttime, there could be sudden drops in temperatures, right, which can be both uncomfortable and unhealthy, especially if the pilgrims lack warm clothing. So, going from hot to cold, going from cold to hot, going from day to night, night to day, this speaks to me about the changes in life. How many of you are going through a change right now in your life? Raise your hands. I know Pastor J.B. is. Yep. So things are always changing, right? Like someone once said, there's nothing permanent in this world except change and the love of the Father, right? So the world, the weather, the economy keeps on changing. People's bodies change. People change jobs. People change responsibilities. People enter into new relationships. They leave relationships. They move to another country, move to another city, People graduate from high school, going to university. I remember when I was um, a young boy. You know, my father would always take me to school on the very first day of every school year, from kindergarten all the way to first year high school. Why? Because he wanted to make sure that I was going to be all right. So, as a as a young man, you know, I, you know, there certainly were a lot of uncertainties going to school. Um, for the first time for, the, for the, every school year. So from day to day, my last slide here is from day to day, from month to month, from year to year, from season to season, know that God the Father is with us in the many uncertainties, challenges, and changes in life. Are you learning something this morning? Yes. Amen. Our last point for this morning, I'm trying to speed it up. <laughs> okay, God is the keeper of our souls. The Lord will keep you from all harm, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, but now both now and forever. So so many people interpret this to mean that God will keep us from harm and difficulties, but that, uh, that is not what He's saying here. or yeah, just minimize it, please. Yeah. Or later on, I can tell you. OK? So thank you. So it is not saying that God will keep us from all harm and difficulties in this life, right? Bad things will always happen to the life of a believer and unbeliever. Just like good things will always happen to the life of a believer and unbeliever. You don't believe me? Hey, Matthew 5, 45 says, God causes his son to rise on the evil and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So no one is exempt from experiencing bad things in their life. Just look at dedicated servants of the Lord. Look at Job, look at Paul, look at Peter, look at John, right? Dedicated servants of the Lord, and yet they never led or lived comfortable lives. And for us believers, God does not shelter us from the difficulties of life because honestly, whether we like it or not, trials in this life are necessary for our spiritual growth. If you don't believe me, read Romans chapter 5 later on today. Today I work for a company called Anchor Pacific, a recycling company. You know, we manage 180 recycling depots. Return it, it's worth it. Does that sound familiar? All right? You like all the characters on TV. But anyways, I was, you know, I lost my job eight years ago, and um, many people view that as harm. But in reality, it was God allowing his will to be done in my life and in the lives of other people. And it also allowed my faith and my wife's faith in the Lord to grow. And this became also an opportunity for a lot of people within the body of Christ, not just within my local church, but a lot of people within the body of Christ to actually step in and to help me in my time of need. So believers are not exempt from trials and difficulties. In the Bible, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was separated from his Father Jacob, for 13 years, he was falsely accused of rape, trying to rape his uh, employer's wife. And as a result, Joseph spent years and years in prison, all because of his brother's sins and wrongdoings. Now, let me ask you a question. Was this fair to Joseph? Can everybody say no? It was not fair for him. This looked like harm. But in the end, to make this long story short, read Genesis if you want to learn about the life of Joseph. Uh, Joseph became second in command to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the title given to the king of Egypt. Yes, he went from being in jail to second in command of Pharaoh. Uh, and then because of him, because of God uh, working with him, he was able to uh, save a lot of food uh, to um, I guess, to anticipate the widespread famine that was revealed to, to, uh, to Joseph in a dream from another person. So, to make the long story short, again, Joseph ended up being in command, uh, second in command. And then, in the end, he realized that everything that he went through, everything that he went through was all part of God's master plan. When Joseph was finally reconciled with his brothers, He told them this in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Can we read this together, please? You intended to harm me. So the immediate good here was the uh, salvation of Joseph's family and um, everyone in Egypt and those who went to Egypt to buy food. Again, there was a widespread famine. So... Had Jacob and his sons, right, not have moved to Egypt, because eventually uh, when after uh, Joseph got reconciled with his family, he brought them over to Egypt. Had they not have moved to Egypt, then, that, then there would have been no nation of Israel, right? Israel would not have continued. There would have been no descendants, and, which means no Jesus, because Jesus was born an Israelite, Right? Jesus was born a Jew. So no Jesus means no redemption, no salvation, no eternal life in heaven. So this harm that we saw in Joseph's life brought salvation to his immediate family, and it also brought family, and it's bringing bringing salvation to the world through Jesus Christ, to whoever chooses to believe. Amen? Can everybody repeat after me? God's master plan is always for the best. If you believe that, say amen. So regardless of our circumstances, whether good or bad, we Christians, we should be able to see the hand of God in our lives. And we need to know that no matter what harm comes into our lives, God can use it for good. Amen? Verse 8 says that the Lord will watch over your coming, going, which is referring to the daily activities of life. This is how much God is interested in and how much he cares for us right he is interested in our daily schedules our activities and he sees the bad things going on in our lives bad things happen to us but what is the promise in in psalm 121 verses 7 to 8 it's not on the screen but the promise is that god would keep our souls from all harm the soul is the part of the body that is not physical the soul is the part of the body that will last for eternity after our body experiences death. Regardless of the things that we go through in this life, regardless of how our lives will end, we will end up being with God because God is the keeper of our souls. Amen? Now, if you are here today and you know, you're a young person or maybe even not so young, if you're going through challenges in your life, I mean, sometimes people just decide to take their own lives or turn to drugs, turn to bad company. But you have to know that our Heavenly Father is watching you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Don't turn to the wrong people, the wrong stuff. Turn to God. Amen? Our final thought, final slide. God, who created everything, is our watchman. He watches over us. He is always with us no matter what we are going through in this life. And one day, can everybody say one day, we will finish our pilgrimage to heaven. Amen. And we are confident in all of these things because we belong to him. And nothing can ever, ever separate us from the love of God. Amen. God bless you, church.
0: One more time, let's give God a big hand. Let's also thank Pastor Bond this morning for a powerful message. Praise God. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's get ready to respond to the word of God this morning. Why don't you turn your neighbor on your right and your left. Give them a high five and say, your heavenly Father is watching over you. Can you tell them right now?
1: Your
0: heavenly Father is watching over you. Amen. There's something else that really amazed me this past week, in addition to some personal stuff that uh, I've went, gone through, is that the world was watching this amazing thing where there were 12 boys in Thailand who were a soccer team, I believe, and they were traveling and they decided to go into this cave and into the tunnels with their coach, 25 years old, and these boys are, what, 11 to 16 years old, and, and they get trapped in this cave. You guys heard about this, read about this? And for weeks on end, the world is watching, wondering what's gonna happen to these boys. Not sure if they're gonna get out. You know, there's there's water in the cave so that they can't really get out easily. Uh, and the world is watching and wondering what is gonna happen to these boys. The parents are watching from outside the cave. They're waiting and hoping that somehow these boys will come back to them. They're writing letters to one another, notes to one another, trying to give them food in whatever way they can. And there was a time when the, many of them lo- almost lost hope that earlier this past week, with the help of over a 100 people from all over the world, divers from all over the world, they were able to rescue all 12 of those boys and their coach. Let's give God a big, big hand for that. That's an amazing thing. Praise God for that. And the reason I mention that today is maybe you're here today and you find that you're stuck in a cave yourself this morning. Maybe it's not a physical cave that others can see, but in your heart, secretly, you're stuck in a cave called worry you're just always worrying about the future. Maybe you're stuck in a cave called depression. No matter what you try to do, you're not sure how to get out. Maybe you're stuck today in a cave called bitterness. You're so angry at someone who hurt you, who said stuff to you, and you've been so you've had the worst time trying to let go of that situation. I'm here today to let you know that just as those boys were stuck in that, stuck in that cave and, and they were ably brought out, you can be brought out of that cave today because Jesus is the one who's here to rescue you. Jesus is the one who's here to save us and your heavenly father is always watching over us and so if you're here in this place this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed if you are here and you realize that you are stuck in some way this morning maybe you're stuck in a cave called worry you're, maybe you're stuck in a cave called depression maybe you're stuck in a cave called bitterness maybe you're stuck uh, in a cave called guilt and shame about your life and here and here now today we want to give an opportunity to respond to God because long before you even knew you were stuck in that cave. God was watching over you. God was already providing a way out for you, so that you would be able to walk out of that cave and say that God is my watchman, that God is watching over me, and that the best is yet to come. And so, if that's you today in this place, and you want to thank God for being your heavenly father who watches over you, if that's you in this place and you've got so you're stuck in a cave, but you can you want to find help where God is, where your heavenly father is, and you want to ask for that help this morning and believe that that help is coming. Why don't you raise your hand to heaven this morning? With faith, why don't you raise your hand? Let the height of your hands reflect how much you need God's help this morning. Let the height of your hands reflect your faith this morning. And let's all pray aloud together in your own words from your heart for whatever situation you may be in today. Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's your friend, your loved one who's stuck in a cave this morning. Would you pray for them this morning? And would you thank God this morning that help is on the way? And would you do that right now, church? Come on, as the music plays, start talking to God this morning. Let's give our loved ones to God. Give your life to God this morning. Come on, church. start talking to God right now. Thank you, Jesus. God, we give you praise this morning. We thank you there's none like you. We thank you there's none like you. We worship you this morning. Thank you that nothing is impossible for you. And so we look to you this morning and say thank you that help is on the way. Thank you that help is on the way. Thank you, God, that you don't leave us on your own, but you watch over us. Thank you, God. We give you praise. We give you God, that because you are watching over us, we don't have to be afraid. That because you're watching over us, we can say the best is yet to come. We thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. Look for so every single person in this If, if, if that's you in this place and you uh, have your hand raised why don't you pray this prayer with me this morning say dear heavenly father,
1: dear heavenly father thank, you thank
0: you that you are watching over me, watching over, over, my me ones, over my loved ones over my family because you, you love us even more than we know, more than we know. Thank, you thank you that nothing, is impossible, nothing you, is impossible for you that no cave, that no cave is too dark, too dark or too hard to get to that help is on the way because you are the one who watches over me. And so thank you today, I call out to you and say help me God, help my family today. Help us to get out of that cave. Thank you that with you all things are possible and that because you watch over us, we're gonna get out of the cave because you're watching over us. We have hope for tomorrow because you're watching over us, the best is yet to come. We thank you, God, for being our Heavenly Father who's watching over us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place this morning. Come on, church.